Hello everyone. Welcome to Cracking Addiction. And in particular, welcome to what we're going to call the Dual Diagnosis Corner of Cracking Addiction. And I'd like to welcome everyone to the new co-host, Dr. Daniel Pham. So today we've got uh, Dr. Philippe Naren, myself, Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and a warm welcome to you, Dan. Now, before we go on, can you just clarify exactly what you're a doctor of and what your role is in Dual Diagnosis Corner? Thanks for that lovely warm welcome, Fergal. I don't, I don't have to plead my credentials now. <laughs> I'm very honoured to be part of this uh, esteemed podcast. So my background, I'm a psychiatrist by training, um, but also with a dual specialty in addiction psychiatry. And I work alongside you in the same service. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we work together very well. So, so um, what's the difference between addiction medicine and addiction psych, do you reckon? Ah, that's a great, great question. And I feel this is part of the, what drew me to addictions is that there's a lot of overlap. Um, and particularly recognizing that addictions is a very broad, um, a broad disorder covering and affecting people in both the mental health sphere, but also the physical health sphere. Mm. I guess it's all a different sort of approach, a different sort of background, particularly if you reflect on the way addiction medicine or addiction psych uh, doctors are trained in Australia, mm. you can be a GP, you can be a physician, or you can be a psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. My, my particular, or my addiction psychiatry's particular sort of specialty is focusing on mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember saying in my interview that I was particularly drawn to addiction psych because it was the most medical, one of the most medical streams of psychiatry. Mm. And of all the addiction medicine people I meet, including yourselves, they were the most mental health aware doc, uh, medical doctors. There's a nice mix of the both. Yeah, there is a great overlap. Philippe, what, what would you say to that question? What's the difference between addiction med and addiction psych? Ultimately, it's, it's one of those things where we're treating the same person, we're treating the same condition, but we probably have expertise in slightly different areas, but we overlap in the vast majority of what we do. So Dan obviously has special expertise in psychiatry, we might have a bit more expertise in, say, some of the addiction medicine aspects of things. But uh, combined, I think we can provide quite holistic care for our patients, which is why a lot of services have the mix of addiction medicine and addiction psychiatry. So we can provide that in-house holistic care because it is the same person, but it's that biopsychosocial mo- model of addiction where you're not just treating a disease, you're treating a person, you're treating mental health, you're treating trauma, which I think we'll be talking about a bit later on in this in this episode but it's like dan said it's that mix you've really got to try and treat the whole patient and that's why it's so great to have you here dan in this uh, podcast and dual diagnosis corner uh you know it's so great to have the meeting of minds you know uh and i, I really welcome you so um dual diagnosis what what does dual diagnosis mean it's interesting so dual diagnosis is a term that's been bandied around a bit and i know you guys have covered it earlier on in, in the series. Particularly when I started training in psychiatry, dual diagnosis meant a totally different thing to me. Again, if you break it down to its really basic term, it means two diagnoses. So that could be two diagnoses of anything mm. co-occurring or comorbid. Mm. And this is the other thing I know I have come to sort of terms with when training and addiction in particular. Language does change, language does matter for various reasons and for good reasons. Um, so dual diagnosis has been bandied around with a lot of other co- things, terms such as co-occurring disorders, comorbid disorders. Mm. So when I started training, co- dual diagnosis was um, 
uh, intellectual disabilities and mental health. But particularly in this context, dual diagnosis refers to having a challenge of dealing with both a substance use disorder and a mental health disorder. Mm. Yeah, that's that's how I would understand that as well. So, I mean, you know, basically dual diagnosis is addiction with any other mental health disorder. So, I mean, you know, we're going to be working our way through the entire range of mental health disorders with you. We'll be picking your brains on this. So the first topic you want to talk about, I believe, is trauma. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, I know you guys have covered this earlier. Yeah. So, and I, I think that particularly we wanted to focus on PTSD and co-occurring substance use disorder. That's yeah. my understanding. Absolutely. That's, that's Absolutely. a great start. So talk to us. What's what's First of all, what's what's PTSD and how does trauma relate to PTSD? And then we work on how does trauma relate to PTSD and then relates to addiction. Sure. I think I remember that sort of structure. <laughs> I guess if you want to start, let's go back to right, right to the beginning, yeah. right to the actual term trauma. And this is the point where a high schooler would bring out, you know, Webster's Dictionary says this. But I think it's always good to actually talk about definitions and one particular definition you can look anywhere around one particular definition I find for trauma is it's an event or it can be a series of events or a set of circumstances that is experienced by an individual that is either a seen or construed as physically or emotionally harmful or life-threatening. So the real sense of a potential loss of life or a loss of limb or other sort of serious event. And this can potentially have lasting adverse effects for someone's individual functioning and their mental, physical, social, emotional, spiritual well-being. Um, important to recognise, however, trauma doesn't just mean something that an event that someone finds upsetting. It really has to meet that criteria, particularly if you're looking at the DSM criteria of that event where you're really, really at risk of potential heart, serious, serious harm. Mm. I recall... And I can't remember exactly where an old professor used to be telling us that the actual origin of the word trauma comes from the Greek word uh, to pierce or to, you know, to wound. Yeah. And the idea, the metaphor I had in my mind often that I drew from those, those lectures, I used to remember that we often go through life with a shield. And that shield is this understanding is that today, in the next minute, hour, or today, I'm unlikely going to lose my arm or die. And you need to have that kind of shield, if you think about it, just to get on with day-to-day -day life. But if something happens in your life that's so severe or drastic that it causes you to lose that shield, you then sort of go through your life thinking, I'm always at risk. And it's like, essentially, that's how I sort of very simplistically construe PTSD in some ways. You're constantly on edge and constantly ready for the next sort of trauma because of that event. Philippe, how do you conceptualize trauma? So I guess... Trauma is one of those things, as, as Dan mentioned, you've got the initial uh, traumatic event, and we know a lot of people have the initial trauma and recover from trauma. And there's also that concept of post-traumatic growth where the trauma actually serves as that, uh, that bouncing off pad to for greater personal uh, resilience or, or ability to cope with more stress. But I guess the, the, inter the interesting thing is, is PTSD, which I guess we'll be covering further on in this episode, where you have that initial traumatic event, but for whatever reason, you, you don't bounce back from it. And in fact, the, the obverse is true where uh, similar stimuli or, or, or stimuli that were sometimes resembling those traumatic events can, can re-trigger that trauma. And it can be that, that, um, that thing that continues, continually haunts you and has negative impacts on your life. And 
as we'll discuss, has ongoing effects with substance use uh, because we see a lot of patients who've, got tra- who've had traumatic incidents but also suffer from PTSD. Yeah. I'll pick up also so a good point you made, Philippe, in that not everyone who experiences trauma is going to go on to de- develop a PTSD or a disorder-level sort of uh, issues. So well, to pull out some boring stats... I think there's figures that you'll show that nearly about three or four Australians in their lifetime will experience some form of trauma. And approximately only about 4.5% of those would go on to develop PTSD. So again, not everyone. And that's for various reasons, like you say, in terms of their vulnerability, in terms of the nature of the trauma. Um, What we do also know when we look at those figures, twice as PTSD is twice as common in women than it is in men. And I guess what's Drawing back and understanding the context of this podcast being an addiction podcast, what's interesting is that about one in three people who are exposed to trauma do go on to develop problematic substance use. That's making a big issue. Um, and re- the reason why we see a lot of this sort of co-occurrence or do a diagnosis. One in three people who are traumatized go on to experience addictions or one in three people who have PTSD? Good question. I think it's one in people exposed to trauma. Right. Yeah. yeah. The figure I have at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. So you could really consider or conceptualize addiction as a as one of the many trauma responses, couldn't you? Absolutely. I think that draws into a deeper conversation of why is it that you see PTSD and substance use mm. co-occurring? Yeah. And you can draw that bow just talking about why do mental health disorders and PTSD occur, or mental health disorders and substance use occur in general? Yeah. Because I think it's all the same rules in some ways. So I guess the question I sometimes get asked by clinicians and, and people I work with is, we, we recognize this person as PTSD. We also recognize this person as a substance use disorder. If you treat one, will you will you cure the other or vice versa? So this person has methamphetamine use disorder. If we put him through detox and a rehab, will that help his PTSD or do we have to treat the PTSD and will that sort out the substance use disorder? Um, do you do you have an opinion with regards to to I guess the management of these co-occurring um, disorders because because sometimes it is chicken and egg kind of stuff really. No, that's a that's a great question, and it's only I think the term that we really have to focus on when we have that kind of question is the idea of integrated care to so try and tackle it all together and trying to understand what's the challenges facing this individual in the individual circumstances what works best for them. So it's not one size fits all. And the method that you sort of describe was doing, let's do one thing first and do the other. It's quite a siloed approach or a sequential approach. And up until even a couple of years ago, even during my training, that sort of understanding of that sequential approach was very much the norm. It sort of made sense. Um, often you might hear a, a treatment program saying, there's no way I can touch this patient and work on their trauma when they're constantly intoxicated or drunk or they're using heroin in an unstable manner, putting them at risk. So really, I can't do anything unless you, the addiction, stabilise the addictions. Now, conversely, you also understand, well, if you're trying to understand the patient, particularly in the context of PTSD, often patients and will be using substances or alcohol to self-medicate. So I can do my best in an addiction field to detox and take away alcohol and, you know, make sure you're stable and withdrawn, good job doctors, pat on the back, but I've still left this person with 20 years of a trauma response. And and that's what we sort of see in practice is that often patients will tell us, and that's some of the literature will tell us, you treat the addictions without addressing the PTSD, your rates of relapse of addiction are quite high. 
So it's the tricky question of how can you then design or approach a patient in a way that addresses both? And I guess also that sort of question you, you raised, even for other clinicians, it has that sort of misnomer or that fear that's, you know, you can't do so without addressing addiction. Really, their evidence shows that you get the best effect if you do address both. And you can address the trauma as well, even in the context of ongoing addictions. You just need to find a way to actually do that. Do you have any specific strategies in, with regards to that engagement piece? Because sometimes, especially with trauma-informed care and, say, some of those psychotherapy as well as compliance with pharmacotherapy, sometimes when you're using substances, that can certainly affect compliance with some other treatment regimens that, that we instruct our patients to take part in. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, again, because it's a, it's a challenge, particularly... I think everyone sort of agree about the evidence of what's the best way forward, but it's a challenge in terms of actually providing the systems that go around with it. You need experienced or experienced clinicians or experienced systems where the services are comfortable with a degree of ongoing addiction use. They don't balk at it. And, and that often requires clinicians to be to say, look, I'm okay with ongoing alcohol use, just so long as they don't come in absolutely blind drunk every session. They may have a drink or two, but that's not enough for me to say, sorry, pack your bags, go home, we can't do that session. Obviously, even the, in experienced clinicians, they might, if someone comes in blowing 0.15, then they probably will draw a line there. But there's a bit of leeway you need. And often I found with less experience or less um, trauma-attuned services, there's that sort of almost a stigma response that, no, I can't do any work here. And it really does involve having clinicians, doctors included, having that sort of comfortable the level of comfort to say what can we win, what can we work with in the addiction sphere, and that's the that's the nature of having a good integrated care. Um, maybe later on in the podcast we'll also pick up on the, what you, another term you use, that idea of trauma informed care and how that sort of feeds into it. Well, let, let's talk about that. That's what I was going to ask you. What is trauma informed yeah. care? <laughs> so, trauma informed care has come into vogue in the last decade or so. I think I'll take a step back. Why does this even matter in addictions as well? Yeah. Um, I think there's lots, loads of literature to say that regardless of what sort of background you come, if you're working in addictions particularly, you're going to come across trauma at, at some point. It's just so prevalent. Now, whether that means you have PTSD or not, that's by the by, but you are going to come across trauma at some point. Um, and this is what sort of leads on what's how important it is to actually have a trauma-informed care response in some ways. Um, and, and because of the reason we talked about how linked things are, it does behoove addiction services to have that sort of understanding and awareness of trauma, if not at least an integrated approach, a way to approach trauma. Now, trauma-informed care is something you don't have to be a specialist in. So you don't have to be a trauma psychiatrist. You don't have to be a psychologist. And I think if there's only going to be any take-home message from this podcast to the general audience, it's that any it's relatively straightforward and simple to actually take on a trauma-informed approach. You can do that in a GP clinic. You can do that in a mental health service without having to be, feel like you have to be a specialist in the service. Um, so a trauma-informed care approach is having a a culture or an approach in your service which understands that the widespread impact of trauma and understands the potential path for recovery 
being able to recognize the signs and symptoms for clients and families and everyone else involved, and able, being able to respond in a, by fully integrating the knowledge in, into policies, procedures, and practices. And lastly, also an approach which actively seeks to avoid or resist re-traumatizing patients and families in the course of delivering your, your care. So this is very simple things about understanding how to talk safely about trauma, about sensitive questioning. I often, if we have lack of trauma-informed care, often you miss PTSD because people just don't ask for it or they just, they're too afraid or they're too nervous to say, I'm not going to go anywhere near that. I'm not unpacking that can of worms. The opposite is also true. Sometimes you get well-meaning clinicians who aren't equipped or have the structures around them to actually dig in. And I will, will lost count the amount of times as a very junior reg in an inpatient unit, I would deal with very suicidal or patients in crisis because a well-meaning counsellor who had no emergency services around them said, I know you for a long time, let's dig into your trauma without really knowing what they were unpacking. And then leaving a patient, you know, you see them for an hour and they go home, again, pat on the back, but that patient goes home and all of a sudden that sort of can of worms that has been repressed for a reason to get by day by day is now dealing with that at home and then goes into crisis. So it's really a approach, if anything, and there's a wealth of resources online that people can sort of adopt. Um, the other thing about trauma inform is having that sort of an, a service, not just the individual clinician approach, but the service approach. So trying to minimise the amount of time you have to repeat history. So you can imagine for a patient journey, how many times you go through, a, like, say, a hospital system, you got to tell your history three times to the nurse, then to the registrar, then to the consultant. And if that was a burden to actually dig up the trauma, that's very arduous. Having an approach which sort of minimises that can be quite useful. So here's, here's a question, Dan. Does asking about trauma almost as a screen actually increase the risk of worsening mental health and, heaven forbid, self-harm or suicide? This is where I venture into the territories. I don't have strong literature or evidence to back my life. I'll just go by my own experience. Mm. I think the key the key point of that question is how you're actually approaching it. And I think you really need to be collaborative in your approach. If you're the bull in the china shop and saying, hey, I want to go here, let's explore this because I need to get this information and tick my boxes, and the patient's not on board, then you're liable to do damage. But if you're able to flag and sensitively approach saying, we're going to talk about this perhaps, um, it's useful for me to understand but you don't have to go into details. Understanding what your role as a clinician, what you're trying to get, so what you're trying to achieve. So often in my sort of PTSD assessments, I'll say, I don't really need to know the, the itty-bitty details if you, if you don't want to go into it. If you do, we'll go there. But what for me, what my purpose is to diagnose and, and to form a management plan, really I need to know how is PTSD affecting you and we can go, we'll just go where you want to go in some ways. Mm. Sure. And how does it inform or determine management of addictions? So in turn, it's always that idea of individual formulation. So if you just diagnose someone with PTSD and someone has got addictions, you really want to address the PTSD to have any sort of impact on the addictions as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that really involves having good, solid PTSD treatment integrated with a co-occurring co sort of um, as addictions treatment as well. So I guess that again takes next next you have to take a step back and what how do we diagnose PTSD and how we manage PTSD? Mm. Indeed, such questions. 
<laughs> would you like me to go into it? <laughs> well, look, I think, I think unfortunately, we're running out of time for this episode. Uh, I think we'll address that in the next episode. So I want to thank you, Dan, and uh, thank you for setting up Dual Diagnosis Corner. Uh, my name's Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Thank you to my co-host, Philippe Naren, and we'll see you next time.